Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 207 of the Comics Pals. We are a group of friends and journalists who get together to talk about comic books and comic book media because no one else will. <laughs> I'm your host today, Phil Casey, joined by Kale Ward and Marco Cunolata. That has to be the best explanation for this show <laughs> <laughs> in 206 episodes that we've come up with. No one and else you know will. What? <laughs> it, it, it's true because not even I will. You you rarely hear me. I sure I sure don't want to. Yet you guys are here every week in my house. That's right. And this week the inmates are running the asylum. I should have cleaned. No, silly. We, we the asylum is a shared space. So oh, you should have cleaned. You're, you're, I should have cleaned. Actually, yeah, you're right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, it is pretty nice in here. It's pretty spacious and. Um, Couches are uh, lovely. Mm-hmm. And it's I'll, a total bedlam because we're missing the voice of law and order around here, Sean. And we're missing the voice. Uh, <laughs> for, I, I like to call him the Sonic Boom. <laughs> <laughs> the Banshee of the group. <laughs> that's that's good. And he uh, he is not doing great. If you guys have been reading Sword of Te- or, uh, Ten of Swords, uh, you'll know that Banshee is not doing great. <laughs> Just he like is I, having a bad one. Just like I predicted. Yeah, everyone always predicts Banshee to not be doing so great. It's Banshee. What's Banshee. he gonna? What's he gonna do? I like Banshee. I do too. Even though he's kind of like an Irish stereotype. Oh, really? A little bit. I just thought that's what he talked like. Oh yeah, I am the Banshee. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, so if you guys are still listening and you like what you're hearing, I can tell you where you can find us. Why? <laughs> That's right. Uh, in addition to the rack at your local comic book store, you can find your pals wherever podcasts are sold. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel where Pete and Bessie just uploaded his immediate reactions to the Invincible trailer that we will talk about later. Uh, for more excellent content, you can also ring that bell for subscriptions. Uh, and then, of course, follow and like us on every social media platform. If you have a question, feel free to shoot us an email at thecomicspals at gmail.com. And finally, join our Discord. Be a part of the Pals community and be one of our pals. Uh, what did we talk about this week? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Oh, I, started, I started Food Wars, so that's been a lot of fun. And... Uh, I think we're trying to, in, in honor of me finishing Dragon Ball, uh, one right. of our one of our <clears throat> lovely pals, Catherine on the Discord, said mm-hmm. we should do a watch party for Dragon Ball Evolution. That'd so, be a lot of fun. That'd be really cool to do, and I think we're definitely going to try to get to get it. Uh, <laughs> Dragon Ball Evolution was so bad that it so prompted bad. Akira Toriyama to come out of retirement. Uh, the last <laughs> thing he did with Dragon Ball was like 1995. He did some, like, art for GT or whatever, but, like, it's been the first time he had done anything for the series in, like, 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> and thus, Super was born. That's right. Uh, mixed mixed reception in that uh, category. Um, so, yeah, if you guys are interested in any of that, come join us on the Discord. It's a lot of fun, and I always get made fun of for not commenting enough on there. Yeah, I think you, you don't. tweeted. I think you did one thing. I did one So thing. go ahead and pat yourself on the back. <laughs> uh, so any, before we go any further, does anyone have to use the restroom or? Uh, no. 
that was that was my attempt at a transition for you, Kale. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was weird. You're just asking that in the middle of <laughs> five minutes into Boy, recording. That's, that's sure not how uh, Sean does it. <laughs> uh, let's see. All right. Uh, here we go. Welcome everybody to Flush Down the Jam, the podcast within a podcast that's a parody of another podcast. <laughs> the... Oh, it's a podcast where I review bathrooms. Uh, That's right. All the bathrooms in the whole world. My favorite uh, segment on the show. We yeah. haven't done it in a long time. Well, so regular listeners for Flush Down the Jam will know uh, <laughs> there's been a hiatus, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. COVID has tackled everybody, even the bathroom reviewing business. It's taken the plumbing world by storm. It blindsided <laughs> us all. So I, I needed... To take some quarantine time, some socially distanced quarantine time, of course, to yeah. <laughs> figure out what to do. So I did, I, I spent a lot of, a lot of time in the bathroom. Guys, a lot of time in the bathroom. You're getting mm. older. And I, <laughs> I remembered the source. The, I went back to the source, the source of all our problems, right? Okay. Avengers Endgame. Oh, okay. Do you remember how they told us we couldn't go to the bathroom? Otherwise, we'd miss something. <laughs> is that where this comes from? I don't remember. That's exactly where this comes That's from. Right. It was like, and, this is like three hours. That's and right. so I went back, and I took it upon myself to go on a quest to find inspiration where it all started. Wow. So I went out to find the bathrooms of the <laughs> Avengers. Oh. Now, when you say that, do you mean like the bathroom that Captain America uses? Better. The bathroom <laughs> that Tony Stark uses. That's his suit, right? Don't jump ahead to my joke. <laughs> <laughs> First, I went to New York and I thought, I'm going to treat myself to the most expensive, exquisite bathrooms. And I got to tell you, I was mm-hmm. pretty disappointed. Four and a half million dollars got Tony Stark copper bathtubs, gilded Italian wash bases, basins, and a solid gold toilet. Uh, that didn't do it for you? Listen, you don't think that's a little ostentatious? Well, I'll consider the source. So I said, let's add a little hot rod red. <laughs> the Iron Man suit. Of course Tony Stark doesn't use a bathroom like a normal person. Mm-hmm. He goes in the Iron Man suit. Do you think that thing has a bedpan built in? Yep. A catheter. It's like, it's like the, uh, ah. the the astronauts. It's like a suction vacuum that just like attaches to the, to the bum. Yep. One out of ten. One out of ten. Don't really? He's not here for the catheter. Don't poop yourself. Wow. <laughs> Next. Is it? Wait. Question. Hold on. Okay. Uh, Marco Carlotta, the comics pals. Uh, mm-hmm. So, is it is the is it because the experiences of one standing and evacuating, or is it because 
it, it simply wasn't a comfortable fit. It's ooh, closer to the second one. Okay, you'll have to go back to episode one to look at my <laughs> criteria. I can't lay all that out now. Okay, fair enough. So next, one at a time. next, I decided to give myself a little challenge. And I thought, who has the most dangerous bathroom of all? That's right. The Hulk. Bruce Banner, the Hulk. And frankly, it turns out he just blows a quarry in New Zealand with his poop. <laughs> and that ends up where they being where they filmed the Power Rangers. That also explains <laughs> how they beat coronavirus twice. <laughs> yep. Talk about your Green Ranger, am I right? <laughs> Three out of ten. Location, location, location. Too inconvenient. Wait, yep. wait. Uh, Marco has another question. Marco, Marco of the Comics Pals, please. Uh, thank you. Uh, is is the concern there with the New Zealand government that potentially the uh, the feces could be radioactive? And what are the plans to sort of deal with that? Uh, listen, that's not my job. I just review <laughs> the bathroom. New Zealand's beautiful. However. If you're blowing quarry, quarries with your poop, it's no no good. So you're saying like New Zealand is Earth's toilet. <laughs> I'm saying it's the Hulk's toilet. Mm. Now, finally, I ascended to Asgard. The realm wow. of Thor, god Ooh. of thunder. I had They just let anybody up there. Would you believe it? <laughs> but I had the opportunity to see where Thor and his heavenly brethren... Brethren, release their devilry. <laughs> now listen, I was very surprised by what I found. As guardians, can't poop. Mm. That's why they're still so backward in like their culture, and they walk around talking like they're in a Kenneth Branagh film. Dost thou need to partake in the privy? Why, of course, foul knave. They're holding it in. It's all this. All this culture is repressed because they they can't poop. They can't concentrate. Mm. Anal retentive. Anal oh. retention. And it was while I was touring Odin's palace that a thought stuck in my brain. Mm. Much like it was placed there by Thor himself. Asgard is a monarchy. Odin is its king. What does mm -hmm. a king sit on? A throne. The throne. What's a funny word for a toilet used by Shakespearean types? A throne. Oh, a throne. If Odin's throne is a throne, surely he's free to partake. That would explain. Can't. But if he's got a toilet under him, why not? That a would explain why Loki is always trying to get the throne himself. <laughs> he doesn't want the office. He wants the lowercase t throne. And what is Loki? <laughs> a frost giant. That makes the Asgardian situation much worse for him. He can't poop. And everyone knows, say it with me, guys, diarrhea is worse diarrhea in the cold. In, in the, the cold. cold. <laughs> everyone knows that. Yep. Yep. Everyone. Mm -hmm. Giant throne to throne, six out of ten. Doesn't look <laughs> especially comfortable and no obvious flushing mechanism. Now you got me wondering if the conflict between the Asgardians and the ice giants is uh, over uh, Dookie. Yeah. Hmm. Well, this has been your latest installment of <laughs> Flush Down the Jam. Email us and show us your bathroom to be ridiculed on the internet. And as always, don't buy a discount plunger. 
<laughs> oh man. With apologies to Demi Adjuibe and Miel Brado. <laughs> Bravo. Amazing. Um, so that was Flush Down to Jam. Uh, long-time listeners know how great that segment is. Uh, you enjoyed it. It's a shame it's never going to come back. <laughs> uh, tell us why you loved it in the Discord. Uh, <laughs> in the meantime, we'll tell you about our favorite comics coming out this week. We're going to do our pals polls. Uh, um, coming up first, uh, we have um, Kale, actually. Uh, one second. Uh, why isn't the chat coming up? Okay, so from Kale, we have True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys, number one. Kale, what's that about? So I can only assume this is Gerard Way's second attempt at uh, a graphic novel uh, in the Killjoys universe. Uh, Because that first one was not great. It was about, as I recall, it was about uh, sort of the generation of Killjoys after... The people that the album follows, um, and it didn't work. Uh, so this is being done, I think, written with Sean Simon and art by uh, Leonardo Romero. Um, so I'm I'm really excited to to get into this world again and uh, actually follow the the killjoys that the album and the music videos follow. With Grant Morrison being the villain. Naturally. <clears throat> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's really cool. Uh, you also have Chainsaw Man number 88. Uh, last week's listeners will know that you were pretty high on Chainsaw Man. So Listen, uh, what's going on this week? I'm still super high on Chainsaw Man. I can't get enough of Chainsaw Man. Uh, so this week, uh, so this might be the first time I followed a series weekly and these these uh weeks separating the book are killing me i read i read this this week's chainsaw man in six minutes wow there are like four double page beautiful double page spreads of uh fight scene that happens and it's incredible and the the bad guy at the very the only dialogue in this book at the end is the bad guy going well, this is bad. <laughs> I just like I I'm so hungry for more of this book. Uh, if you didn't get to listen last week, I described it as uh, Men in Black meets Junji Ito uh, connected to a machine that injects Mountain Dew and Four Loco intravenously. It's it, it it's high octane. It's it's a lot of fun. I I've I needed like start to catch up on it because i i read the first few yeah i i had never heard of it before last week uh you had me really curious because i i appreciate the brevity (laughs) read in six minutes that sounds very appealing to me well i read so there are 85 chapters 87 chapters now yeah i read 86 of them in three days (laughs) like i was hungry for this book wow 
Damn. It's it's worth the $2 show and jump subscription alone. Fair enough. Uh, you brought if, up Jinji Ito. For people listening at home, you should check out our Uzumaki book club that we did last year. Or maybe that was two years ago. Time isn't real anymore. <laughs> uh, Marco, you have on your poll list Swamp Thing Twin Branches uh, GN. What's that? So it graphic is. Graphic novel. It is a new graphic novel, and it's a part of the YA line that DC has right now. Mm. And oh, so. Yeah. It's written by Maggie Steifvater, who apparently did the Raven Cycle series, um, and an artist that I've been following, Morgan Beam. So they announced this book like in the summer or like early, like late spring this year, and it, it's an interesting take because it's about two siblings, one being Walker, one being Alec. Alec, obviously the no known as Swamp Thing, but they're in high school and they're living in a small town. They decide to go to like the rural area of uh, with their family. And then like from there sort of stuff starts to happen around them involving the, the science experiments, the swamp. Yeah. Like like all that. And so it's uh, an interesting concept. And I think that I was obviously as a consumer of all things, something it's something I'm going to pick up. But uh, I'm also interested to see how the YA line sort of is. I have Catwoman that I haven't gotten a chance to read by Isaac Goodhart. And um, I know that the the stuff by Gabriel Piccolo is really good. The um, the Beast Boy the team, and Raven the, stuff, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I want to see like what, what sort of, how, how the, the hype sort of lives up. Uh, sounds good. You'll have to let us know how that is next week. And yeah. Uh, Homie, we both got Strange Adventures number six on our poll list. Let's go, boy. So I don't think you were on the last episode we, where we talked about number five. Uh, where are you in the series uh, emotionally right now? I, I've been enjoying it. I don't remember if I was on, but I have been thoroughly enjoying it. I think it's especially the most like past two issues have gotten into what I am familiar with with Adam Strange and hmm. Strange Adventure stories, so I think it's hit on a like on a point for me where I, I'm I'm comfortable, I'm familiar with sort of the space, and I like the direction it's sort of taking. It's you know like a little more classic Adam Strange, hmm. and yeah, I, I I think to the art's been consistently consistently like amazing, and every once in a while, you know, I think Tom is able to drive the narrative in a compelling way. Every <laughs> once in a while. Uh, you know, th- there there are still things, especially as it relates to like the larger mystery at play that we're slowly being uh, fed. But otherwise, it, it it's been a good book. I'm 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 excited to see how it how it happens. Like, yeah, how the pace, it comes together. The pacing has been uh, up and has, has been kind of inconsistent. Uh, mm-hmm. All the Doc Shaner stuff's been really excellent, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Um, that narrative, I'm not uh, despair because uh, I was about to say the Mitch Gerard stuff, which is completely. Uh, not tied to his art it's just that portion of the narrative has been up and down uh but that said the art has been just phenomenal throughout all five issues so far um as for the mystery i i am intrigued by some of this geopolitical stuff that is taking place um we'll see where it goes i i'm still i'm still interested uh, so uh, anyone at home that is uh, picking up comics this week let us know what you're buying on the discord and uh, with that, let's go into the news. So, 
It turns out we have a new show coming to HBO Max. Do either of you have HBO Max? I do, sir. Nice. I have Marco's password. There you go. <laughs> and that show coming to HBO Max is another superhero show. Kale, are you excited for another superhero show? Nope. Well, maybe we will be for this one. because. I doubt it. We have a live-action Green Lantern show coming, uh, ordered by HBO Max. It's going to seemingly take place in the Berlantiverse. This is what we know. Uh, they say the DC Comics multiverse is set to uh, get a shot of willpower from the famed Guardians of the Universe when Green Lantern premieres on HBO Max. Uh, they've ordered 10 episodes. Uh, the show will explore the history of different heroes who will join the core with executive producer Greg Berlanti teaming up with showrunner Seth Graham Smith to tell the stories of heroes like Alan Scott, Kilowog, Guy Gardner, Jessica, uh, Jessica Cruz, and Simon Baz, along with many others in their brand new live action series. Uh, there's no word whether or not it will take place in Zack Snyder's Justice League verse or as, as I kind of alluded, perhaps in the uh, Berlanti verse. Uh, that's pretty much the extent of what we know. Um, Guys, what do you make of this? I so I have no real like affinity for the Green Lantern stuff. Just just in, because I've not like really read any of it, any of the John stuff, any other stories. Otherwise, the most I know about them comes from the the Justice League cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that to the point on it being part of the Berlanti verse, I think that it's it's likely going to be in contained in that in that universe. I think all the other sort of shows are kind of spin-offs of that or at least from my understanding after Flashpoint happened in the Flash like all of the stuff even from the HBO Max stuff all kind of ties into the same universe uh, or at least they're accessible from, you know, each each show is sort of accessible to the other to some extent. So I, I'm in, I'm interested to see how they sort of integrate that. I don't know if I'm gonna watch it necessarily. I'm probably gonna stick to you know Titans now that it's on HBO Max as well as uh, Doom Patrol. But hmm. otherwise, I, they need like a really big draw to in order for me to to tune in. Um, it's interesting. Did either of you ever watch the Green Lantern cartoon that came out earlier this decade? Yeah. Yep. That was a phenomenal. Uh, I think it only ran for a season, but it was by the Bruce Tim squad. I think it, was, I think it was two. No, it wasn't. It wasn't the Bruce Tim squad. It was. No? Uh, it was. Uh, com- it was sort of a computer uh, I, I, generated. Uh, it was. Yeah. But I think Bruce Tim was the showrunner. I don't think that's right. Well, I mean, uh, I, you could be right. I there. Don't fact check us. Um, I'm gonna fact check us just because I'm okay. curious. Keep talking. Uh, it was good, um, and I, I really enjoyed the way they um, uh, integrated the other lanterns. Um, I thought that all was really, really good. Um, <clears throat> I think I think uh, the problem that show had was its time slot. It came on before Young Justice um, on Cartoon Network at like nine, right. nine thirty, eight thirty, even. They had a DC Nation block on the Cartoon Network on Saturday mornings, mm-hmm. and no one in twenty what is it? When was this? Twenty? I think it's twenty twelve. Twenty eleven and twenty twelve. Yeah. No one in the two thousands has woken up on a Saturday morning for cartoons <laughs> for years. ten years. Yeah, and it's one of those things where, especially uh, among like the Young Justice community, that people were 
considering conspiracy. Um, like they thought it was like the death of the show or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But uh, well, like uh, they wouldn't release toys. The toys they did release sucked. So, uh, but the show the that show itself was good. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, Marco, you might uh, you might dig it. Uh, Bruce Tim and Giancarlo uh, Volpe were the two guys who worked on it, so it was a it was a Bruce Tim project. But I think I think it was more of a passion project for uh, Giancarlo Volpe because he he tweets about it all the time still. Yeah, yeah, Giancarlo. Um, yeah, sorry, that was my uh, I was kind of stepping on your toes there. Where you're mm-hmm. the one who famously mispronounces names, so yeah. I apologize for that that yeah. encroachment. You should be. Um, Green Lantern. Like if this is like a, it seems like this is going to be a greater Green Lantern core show, which I think is there's a lot of potential there. Um, obviously, if it if it has the budget to do something that visually looks appealing, there could be something really special here. Uh, Green Lantern is like a, um, it's like a really untapped IP in the comic sphere of things. Uh, yeah. Ten years ago, it was their third biggest IP, and then after the movie, it fell off a cliff. Yep. And it's it's incredible that with the the growing um, cinematic universes, even despite the movie, that they didn't continue with it because with with what you could do, like you could have a, a giant Star Wars type epic with uh, with Green Lantern, and it, mm-hmm. it it would sell no matter what. That's true. Uh, we don't have a release date on this, so there's no visuals or anything. Uh, so we'll we'll see how it comes out. This came out of the uh, New York Comic Con news this weekend. That that said, if it's being produced by HBO Max, like I I, I think it's going to be something of quality. Like I think we all yeah. generally liked the Watchmen stuff mm. and everything that they've been putting out from the superhero perspective has been pretty pretty good. So was, was Watchmen HBO? Yes. Yeah, boy. I was thinking that was Showtime. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so, but yeah, Doom Patrol is... Oh, Doom Patrol is on Showtime. Or no, it it's on... It, no, it was on the DC Universe app. And now it's on HBO. That's right. Something's yep. on Showtime. A lot of shows are on Showtime. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. The, the, the articles and stuff I've read on this are... They're using the new fifty-two uh, version of Alan Scott, who uh, is who is a uh, a gay man, which is fine. Oh, uh, you have uh, <laughs> something controversial to say, Kale? No, I. It's just, that's not a. Obviously, I don't have a problem with the fact that he's a gay man. It's just that that is my least favorite version of the character. Uh, I the the version of the character that is the golden age Alan Scott Green Lantern has a lot more meat on his bones to me. Mm, and he's not gay. Listen, he could be, you know, he could be bisexual. The text is all there. He and Jay Garrick are really close. I mean, That's let's right. put it, you know. On on the point, on that point of the, the New 52, though, is, is his, like, origin and the details around him different? Like, what is... Because I've been seeing some similar news about the New 52 stuff, and that's this version of Alan Scott versus the Golden Age. So what is the difference there? So basically, so uh, the Golden Age stuff originally was, it was basically Earth 2, right? 
there there came a point pre Crisis on Infinite Earths where uh, you know Batman, Superman, uh, uh, Hal Jordan, Barry Allen, and the the characters that we know. They were the Silver Age characters, basically. They were Earth Prime, Earth One. And then there was an older Superman, uh, Alan Scott Green Lantern, Jay Garrick Flash, uh, Wonder Woman uh, was also there. Those characters were considered Earth Two because uh, they were sort of mirrored versions of what happened on Earth One. And so that's that's when you start getting into the crises and stuff. All that to say, in in the New 52, when they restarted everything, they launched an Earth-2 line and tried to sort of, sort of recreate that, the Golden Age characters. I, I can't objectively say how successful it was. I didn't like it. Um, but it, nothing spoke to me. A lot and, of people did like the Earth 2 book, I remember, when it came out. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, um, so, and and there was a lot of controversy because Green Lantern, Alan Scott, was made a, a gay man, you know, in this retroactive continuity, whatever, when actually he's a completely different character, it's a completely different universe, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. It's just, yeah. It, yeah. We're we're really digging into Kill's inner frustrations now. I was really worried you were going to say something else. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, I wait. I with the inclusion of Sinestro in this promotional material, though, I wonder if we could see like season-long arcs of, like, the fall of Sinestro and then the rise of the Sinestro Corps. Uh, and then his redemption. <laughs> potentially, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, the cartoon never really had its opportunity to spread its wings. Um, it's it's funny, because, obviously, John's uh, long run as lauded as, like, the quintessential Green Lantern stuff, but mm-hmm. it, you know, hasn't really been able to see the live day outside of the source material. So... Uh, we'll see what the show ends up doing. Um, you know, even in like the Justice League franchise, there is no Green Lantern stuff whatsoever in the films. I mean, like you know, yeah. Zack Snyder didn't touch it yeah. with a ten foot right. pole. Uh, let's transition to our next piece of news here. We're going to talk about the new trailer that dropped this weekend during uh, the virtual New York Comic Con uh, for Invincible. Uh, hold on. So let's uh, let's do the watch along thing that we always do. So yes, uh, they dropped the new trailer for Invincible. Uh, if you want, as I alluded to at the top of the episode, uh, Pete, who is the biggest Robert Kirkman fanboy, already recorded his reaction to this. Uh, and we're going to do the same now here in the show proper. Have either of you watched this yet? Because I haven't. I watched the first maybe 30 seconds of it. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I did watch it through. Okay. I, wa- I just wanted to hear uh, J.K. Simmons' voice, and then I turned Oh, J.K. Simmons, I didn't even know he was in this. See, that's how little I know about this. That's that's how I like to conduct myself yeah. in life. Uh, I, I like to conduct myself in such a way that I don't know anything at all. 
Uh, all right, let's get to it. Uh, watch along with us at home, all right, uh, for the YouTube listeners. And for those of you listening on, a, on Apple or where, what have you, we will do our best to explain what we're seeing. Uh, so right out of the gate here on the pause screen, I see an incredibly mustached man. I know that's the father of Invincible. Truly don't know anything about what Mr. his deal is. Mr. Invincible, I think is his name. Please, Mr. In- call me Invincible. Mr. Invincible is my father. <laughs> Sorry, let's watch this. Oh, oh, he said the name of the show. Oh, this is a good bit. Oh man, did he bring that plane down? Yeah, that was. <laughs> I asked that same question when I saw it too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like the little. I like the font. It looks great. Look at it. Oh no. <laughs> It says there's more time here. Oh, okay, it's an ad. All right. Um, <laughs> as far as the trailer goes, okay, so I feel like uh, I feel like a real normie here. They leave this part at the very end. What? So what we're seeing is like uh, a young woman turning into like what something that looks like Abomination from the Incredible Hulk comics, as if like this is like an important thing to put at the end of the trailer. Don't know what it means. Don't know why uh, I should care. If if I recall correctly. And I've I've read the first compendium of Invinci- of Invincible. I my assumption would just be that there are more more than just Invincible. Hmm. Oh, I see. Is so what it, they're showing. Oh, okay. Because I I don't recall that character being a bad guy. Yeah, maybe uh, it's one of his friends or something. Yeah. Yeah. And- uh, and also, uh, so I was just looking up some of it, but actually the dad is called Omni-Man. That's right. Yeah, I, uh, Mr. Omni-Man. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, in the, um, whatchamacallit, in Pete's Watch Along, he actually reacts to the the girl at the end transforming. She's, I'm, I'm trying to find her name. Uh, it's Monster Girl. And That's a fun name. So she, I, I'm, Mr. I'm not. Mr. Monster Girl. Mr. Monster Girl, and so I'm not too familiar with the 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 story or the characters or whatever. But just for anybody who was interested, that at the end she transforms into the the monsters. Okay, that tracks. The Monster Girl transforms into the monster. Uh, it's in. So, what do you guys think of the fact that? So this is clearly kind of like a Superman thing, like coming of age for Superman, but. Uh, it's got that Spider-Man element, I suppose, of like great power comes great responsibility. Because here he is flying by a plane and definitely uh, jeopardizing the safety of everyone aboard and possibly people below. I guess. It, it's a, like, to, to that Superman point, I think it feels like a somewhat coming of age for like a superhero, like growing into his powers, which is, I think, compelling and, and, and fun. For me... Uh, I'm again. I'm not too familiar with the characters. I do have the compendium. I haven't actually opened it, but it's I think enough to entice me to want to watch the show and to uh, I mean even crack the book open to 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 learn a little bit more. Just because I I think what they show, especially considering that you know, towards the the middle of the trailer you get like some more of the the blood and violence. It also gets gets you to to the idea across that you know this isn't just a kids this, this ain't your daddy's superhero show right exactly so mr. Which, mr. daddy mr. daddy <laughs> mr. Right. daddy uh, uh have yeah, you ever read a kill yes uh i read the first compendium remember that's right um 
the that's kind of the whole shtick is that it it, it is sort sort of a Superman esque character, but in the in the same lens as a Spider Man, where you you can relate to this kid. You 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 know you want to see yourself in him and you want to root for him. Um, and uh, that's that's the whole thing. And that's and the cool thing about Invincible in general is that the um, it sort of chronicles his career, right? Uh, so I think it's from issue one to like one fifty or something or whatever it was. Um, it's his whole career as a superhero, maybe even his life. But it's one of those image things where they, you know, they they didn't retcon stuff. People who died stayed dead unless there was a reason and they didn't like abuse all that i you know i got so i've never read invincible pete is always telling us to read invincible it's something he's constantly trying to push on us and uh you know anything that long is certainly daunting for me i don't think this trailer does a good enough job making me want to watch the show though really no i don't i don't think it was like the i don't think it really had much to say um it to me it just feels sort of like a generic yeah superhero show i i i i don't necessarily see what could be in what is enticing about this to like the normal the normie crowd other than maybe the violence yeah but there's so many shows that offer that at this point yeah um and may, you know maybe the brand name or whatever, but um, that, the uh, Invisible's costume is just cool as hell. Yeah, it, it is a this is a big big uh, big show for Amazon though. I'll say that because they really needed something original and something like this to make itself kind of stand out. So I, I think that I think that's there, and I also kind of feel like um, Walking Dead was a giant cultural phenomenon. I think people that uh, trust in the creator of The Walking Dead are more likely to give it a chance on, on that alone. Hmm. So. I, I think they are, but I think the translation from live action to animated is going to definitely have a huge drop off. Cause you know, they'll, they'll be like, wow, this is from the same creator, the same writer, but it's animated. I'm not interested in that kind of, that kind of a uh, medium. You think? Yeah, definitely. People, people who are our, our age, you think? Yeah, dude, Marina will not watch anything animated. Really? Yeah, but she won't she, watch she, like a Pixar movie. But she's a garbage person. Well, 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 easy now. That's my wife. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, but the yeah, like like it, she's not necessarily interested in, in it like on a show format, like a movie. Fine, like a Pixar movie that like that that's okay. But in a like, serialized show format, it's not like the first inclination, and definitely like oh, I'm not gonna watch this kind of thing. I. I think that's a thing for sure. Uh, I think our generation is more comfortable watching uh, an animated program than previous generations collectively. If that makes sense, right? Um, the the one thing I did want to mention about the art style, it felt really clean. I think they made it look like the like the comic series as best as they as they could but i think i think it looks just like that dude's art what's his name 
Uh, Mar- Ryan. Mar- oh, Ryan Otley? Ryan yeah. Otley, yes. Seeing Ryan and, Brown. I don't know why. Uh, but for me, the animation felt somewhat stilted and stiff. And that that could be because the our version of what we watched on Phil's stream was bad. Well, um, from from when I watched the the trailer previously, it it still felt like the the same. Like there were some scenes mm-hmm. where, like when he gets pulled up against the the lockers, it mm-hmm. it, it looks like they kind of like fast forwarded it maybe a little bit. Uh, but some something about it just doesn't feel as like fluid mm-hmm. necessarily, and. So I mean, obviously we'll have to see like, once the show comes out. But it feels like th- there's also a scene I think where he's flying from somewhere, and it doesn't look like it's like redrawn necessarily. It looks like it's the single image, and they just kind of like expand it as he comes forward versus redrawing the figure as it approaches. Um, so I, I I have to wait to see how it sort of turns out on the show and like as it's all put together. But that was my only sort of gripe from the art perspective. It looks like an animated show. It's a very clean art. I, I think I, I think it looks like this this sort of newer generation of of DC superhero animated I films. Hate that stuff. Just not great. But I to me this works because it looks like Ryan Otley's work versus the DC stuff that looks like a a house style that doesn't look like anything. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, and it's it's uh, cheaper this way, I think, too, this, this type of animation. But um, let's move on to another trailer. Uh, this one is for Marvel 616, which will be dropping on November 20th on Disney+. Plus. I really don't know much about it. Uh, the description of the YouTube video says that there are eight remarkable stories by eight unique filmmakers... Uh, and then on IMDb, it describes it as an anthology documentary series that explores the historical, cultural, and societal impacts of the Marvel Comics universe and its intersection with the world. That is a description that makes me want to give it a swirly. But uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's let's dig in and have you guys do, do either of you know anything about this beyond what I just said? Dan Slott is in it somewhere. That's hmm. the most I know, though. All right, so here's the trailer. Uh, same thing as before with Invincible. If you're watching the YouTube video at home, please join along. And if you're listening, just uh, bear with us, and uh, we'll do our best to explain what we're seeing. Right out of the gate, uh, you can see Captain America's gloves, his uh, helmet, and his shield resting against a tree. Ooh, uh, I think that's oh, like, in he's the dead. <laughs> oh. like he's dead. Uh, this feels like it is, you know, right out of the ending of the last. Uh, Avengers movie, so let's take a watch and listen. Oh, Akira Yoshida! <laughs> okay, so these are a bunch of cosplayers. So I guess it's like Marvel's influence on the real world. Yeah. Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man. There's a, that was like New York Comic Con. Comic Con. There's Paul Shear. He's a funny guy. Why is he there? I don't know. I guess he's a comic fan. <laughs> I think he has a uh, a show on on Marvel. Hmm. That was somebody. Who was that? Paul Shear thinks that's insane. <laughs> and it's also ten years too late. <laughs> that's right. Hey, Squirrel Girl. Hmm. Is that Akira Yoshida talking? No, no that's that's some that guy. dude in Spanish. Oh, is that the ja- Kale? That's your shit. Oh, here we go. <laughs> was that the Japanese show? Yeah, that dog. A uh, bunch cool. of toys. Hmm. Wow, I can't wait to see Paul Shear in this. 
so what do you what do you guys think? Uh, it looks like a uh, a Disney propaganda film. Damn, I was gonna say a show for the normies, but okay. I mean, yeah, <sighs> yeah, a little bit of both. It's um, it's always kind of a problem, I think, when like um, the studio or the company responsible for the like media makes a documentary about it. Like there's no there's no there can't possibly be any objectivity, right? Because it's coming straight out of Marvel. Out look of at how look at how we Marvel Studios have impacted the entire world that now belongs to us, Marvel Studios. <laughs> um Yeah, and Marco, I think you make an interesting point because like the fact that it kind of focuses on not exclusively, but the fact that they spend any time focusing on like cosplayers to me is like that feels like normie bait. Yeah, and I, I think it's obviously in the context of the impact. What is interesting is they do have you know comics creators and writers and stuff, which makes sense. I think because it's guided by Paul Shear, it he's gonna like be our person to sort of take us through you know someone who is relatable, etc. Like he, he's that kind of person um, for this. For, for this I guess shows through line but I don't know I'm, I'm interested to see what they they put out if it if it's something in documentary style that is more about like the history then that's cool but if it's strictly about look ever since uh, Iron Man wow you know we did such a good job I don't know that I'm interested about that yeah I think that's totally fair yeah, um, I think I think it'll be a little bit of both. Um, have you guys ever watched like comic book uh, documentaries before? Is that something that's ever appealed to either of you? Yes, uh, the the Batman one, but between I forget what it's called, it's like something Gill and Kane or something like that. There's there's one about Finger like, like and a, Kane, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that was it. Um, about like the the history there, like the legal troubles, all that. Um searching for mr watterson is a really great one about mm. oh yeah 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 bill watterson about calvin and hobbs yeah yes batman yeah. and bill is the one you're probably thinking of Marco. ah yes yes okay yeah that one there was one on i think women in comics uh the hulu had yes yeah I, I i like these kind of things like from a documentary academic perspective it's really interesting especially sure. for historical context this is cool uh, yeah, there was a really good Grant Morrison one, Talking with Gods, that was made, I think, about 12, 13 years ago. Uh, there was one about Superman made by uh, Warner Brothers right around when Superman Returns came out, came out and that was uh, that was really excellent. Um, I remember when Searching for Steve Ditko came out, that's supposed to be really good, because obviously before he died for decades, he was kind of like a recluse. Um, I, I can see why this is not only being... Yeah, what not why why only the, not only why this was made but who this I can see the audience for this too. I don't really feel like we're the audience designed for this. Yeah. But will you watch it? No. Yeah, I'll probably I'll probably watch it. It's, it's the only other content coming out on Disney Plus, so. <laughs> they got seasons of DuckTales, dog. You don't have to sit through this. I Marco's not going to watch animated stuff. I've never seen DuckTales. Oh, bro, this new one is worth it. All right. Got got uh, David Tennant as Scrooge McDuck. What else do you need? Uh, so yeah, that that's the uh, Marvel six sixteen. 
uh, if you guys are interested in watching it, you'll have to let us know what you think. I think it's uh, pronounced 616. Nope. <laughs> uh, I've always, I always grew up pronouncing it 616, but that's fine. Why not 616? Uh, that's good. That's a really good point. I have no answer for that, honestly. Uh, one last segment here before we go into our main topic where we review this week's Ten of Swords books. A uh, little segment called Comic Twitter Hot Takes Corner. All we'll work, right. Work on the name. So I don't know if you guys were following on Twitter that has been reported on Bleeding Cool. Uh, Doc Shaner found himself in some hot water uh, over the weekend from uh, over the week from Snyder Bros. Uh, Zack Snyder fans. Still? They got yeah. what they wanted. Have they not disappeared back into their caves? Uh, so basically, Doc Shaner said that he doesn't really enjoy seeing Superman depicted with glowing red eyes unless he's using his heat vision. Oh, I saw that tweet. That was like a TKO thing. I responded to that. Right. Yeah, so that was a he was responding from a prompt from TKO about controversial comic takes. Uh, and in posting that, a lot of uh, Snyder fans <laughs> replied, apparently it was controversial. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's right. Uh, basically, we're uh, coming at him with comments about how like he doesn't own a monopoly on how Superman should be depicted. And Jesus, right? Um, yes, yeah, Zack Snyder owns that monopoly. Idiot. <laughs> yeah, he he wrote uh, no more showing Superman with glowing red eyes just because he's angry. Uh, he's either using heat vision or he's not. Uh, so, after being attacked by all these people, he tweeted, If you're about to reply to the tweet above, I'm not trying to take away your Superman. It's a visual cue in comics that I think it's played out, but it's just my opinion. I'm not rolling out some kind of edict for everyone's interpretation of him. I'm praying you read this. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, how dare Let's hear he? Let's Marco. How dare he? How dare you try to change my Superman, who... <laughs> In, Marco's Marco's mashed potato box. Let's go. In in Action Comics 177 when he decides, "Oh, I'm really mad at Lois Lane and he flares up his little eyes." How are you going to take that away from me? <laughs> mad at Lois Lane, Shane. huh? Yeah. What is going on in Action Comics? <laughs> you know what? I forgot the context for it. I just remember they were having some sort of argument about breakfast that morning and Bendis somehow is, Bendis is taking Superman in a dark direction. <laughs> Uh, at one point, one of the people replying said that uh, Doc is living in a fucking dream world to believe <laughs> that superheroes in the real world wouldn't murder people or commit atrocities and that he needs to, quote, wake the fuck up. Jesus. Wait, what? Wait, how does that relate to the tweet in any way? I don't like the that glow red. How dare they murder people? These Snyder fan bros have some baggage. <laughs> Uh, so this prompted Doc to briefly uh, deactivate his Twitter account. Oh, no! Jeez. Uh, he did come back. He did say, good grief, folks. I'm fine. Uh, I was just getting a headache from Twitter, so I deactivated it for a couple hours to avoid the temptation of seeing how many people are calling me boring. <laughs> <laughs> You're not boring, Doc Shainer. No, not at all. Uh, in fact, uh, he's very refreshing. And uh, other comic book professionals came to his rescue. Uh, Mitch Durads tweeted saying, This is Superman, along with a drawing of Superman uh, depicting him in a more peaceful manner. Uh, and uh, he said, the, the nicest, it was, it was uh, Doc's uh, Superman he tweeted. He said, This is the nicest guy in fiction world. 
Uh, it's drawn by Doc Shaner, the actual nicest girl in the real world, learn the difference and grow up. Uh, in doing that, he, started, he quoted a Snyder fan uh, who was actually using a Doc Shaner drawing of Superman for his profile pic, uh, saying, imagine being so inept that you actually go after the guy who literally drew your profile pic because you didn't like his comic book opinion. Damn, that's <laughs> funny. Eat shit, guy. Yeah. Um, so don't pick a fight with uh, with Zack Snyder fans on Twitter by the sound of it. So Still. What is your hottest comic take then? That's funny. I was going to ask that very question. So, uh, Marco, you apparently replied to this TKO. So it sounds like you have one, the TKO tweet that is. So it sounds like you have one ready for us. I do. And... Uh, you guys might be familiar with it, but Onslaught is a great comic <laughs> that you guys should read. I don't know why it's a controversial comment, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good book, Fair guys. Enough. Go read it. No. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's only... Wait, wait. Hold on, wait. I actually... So now that I've fixed my bookshelf, uh, I, I like managed to grab all the issues plus like the first trade of it. In all in like one section. So hold on. You guys talk. I'll bring it. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, no. Uh, Marco spent like $200 on this book. I have no intent on reading this. Yeah. No. Absolutely not. Um, we've talked about it a million times uh, since Marco lost the bet to Sean, forcing him to read it. Uh, this is like the book that everyone knows is bad going into reading comics mm-hmm. for the first time. It's so, Scott Lobdell. It's fucking garbage. How dare you, sir? Listen, you know that's my jumping off point. Ready, guys? That's right. His okay. name's on it. His name's on it. I'll light it on fire. I don't give a shit. Hold on. So th- that's a single. These are all single issues, correct, Marco? Except for this first thing right here. That's a trade. That's the trade. And look at this baby. Ready? <laughs> yeah. That's that's how something. Many, how yeah. many is that? That's a, it's this one trade plus, I think it's about 30 something issues. It was a lot. This is all the tie-ins too, so. Look at that, look at that. Green Goblin. Somehow ties into all this shit. The mistake was asking Marco his controversial take just so he can show off his $200 poorly spent. (laughs) Well spent. (laughs) Well spent. (laughs) Uh, Kale, what's your controversial take that would get you taken down on Twitter? Uh, mine probably isn't, uh, too much of a surprise either, actually. I, uh, who was it a couple of weeks ago? Was it last week? No, week before. Gene, creator of, uh, Punisher, Conway? Oh, uh, uh, Jerry Conway. Jerry Jerry Conway. Conway. Yeah. Uh, I, I full-on agree with him i think superheroes have ruined the comic book industry in america oh that is a kale take that's true and i don't think marco is too far in disagreement uh yeah we could bring down i guess the publication of of it you know the frequency yeah give me some romance comics son yeah Mm. published by dc that's all they need that they need some some horror so yeah that's what i was about to say some fucking horror Give me Chainsaw Man, but in America, and make it good. You know, my controversial takes just end up being validated in the long run. So, like, I knew Bendis was bad for 10 years, and now the rest of the world knows he's bad. And uh, didn't like Man of Steel. That was polarizing, and now most people don't like it. Um, so, you know, obviously I would say 
how I think the MCU is um, just fine. It's definitely something that saturated the box office. Um, that's something that I will be validated for in the future, for sure. I mean, I, I guess that assumes that that bu- this bubble will pop and that's people right. will that people will look back on it. I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> uh, that's what I always get dragged for on this show. Uh, I missed the episode where uh, Marco, Pete, and Sean, uh, you know, remembered the one-year anniversary of Avengers Endgame and like remembered it fondly. Yeah, that's the episode Kale and I missed. Uh, and no, I was there for that. Oh, were you? I would have brought it down. I would have brought down. The I sat through that horse shit. <laughs> No, yeah, and I didn't say a word. <laughs> Something to the effect of, well, I'm glad you guys had fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's that's the uh, adult, like, responsible opinion. Like, taking your kid to see a crappy movie and just being like, yep. well, I'm glad you had fun, sport. On your Bendis thing, I, uh, I had a, a brief moment of nostalgia and uh, found out that Daredevil Ninja... It's on Comixology Unlimited. Mm. It's three issue series. Mm. And I went, oh yeah, I remember that. I think I have those somewhere. So I downloaded them to read, and then uh, a couple of days later, I downloaded a bunch of other stuff, and and then uh, I realized I needed more storage space. So I, I looked through and I went, oh Daredevil Ninja. Oh, that's Bendis. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't actually need to read that. <laughs> uh, that's. I think that's fair. Uh, though he's pretty fondly remembered for his daredevil work along with his ultimate spider-man stuff not this one fair enough uh you guys have any other hot takes before we go into our main topic batman should stay dead yeah i I dig that i'd like i have no problem with bruce wayne being in batman movies but dick grayson man he should be batman i think i think the bit the worst crime they did to scott snyder is that they didn't leave uh, Bruce dead long enough for for Dick Grayson to be a, a good Batman, and ba- Black Mirror is good, hmm. but I think I think he could have done a lot more. That would have been really really good. I I think with what had what Nightwing came into with the New Fifty Two that like sort of dealt tangentially with the Court of Owls. I would have liked to have seen that, like, but dealt as Dick Grayson versus mm-hmm. that that would have been interesting. Dick Grayson as Batman, right, right, as and, opposed to as opposed to his inherit or his uh, uh, family lineage of the Talon or whatever, right. And in addition to that, a lot of that has to do with like the Wayne's role in Gotham with the Court of Owls. Uh, having Bruce not there for that is kind of interesting because you deal with that legacy with the person not even being there. Yeah, like you inherited that legacy from Bruce. And I think it was just it that that take on it was just more fun. It was new. I think it was a it was a refreshing yeah. take on Batman, uh, Batman and Robin mm-hmm. uh, that worked, and and I think uh, you know it was a, it was a breath of fresh air that I think you know would have been would have done really well to stay around. Yeah. Well, sticking of staying around, that's what we're gonna have to do for a little bit longer because now we're gonna review three issues of uh, Ten of Swords. I struggle with that every time. Hey, hey, this is a family show. (laughs) All right, let's get into our main topic. Today we read three different issues that dropped this past week uh, in the Ten of Swords event. Uh, We read Wolverine number six, 
X-Force number 13 and Marauders number 13. Uh, there is an order to these in the reading order for Ten of Swords, starting with Wolverine number 6. The writer here is Ben Percy. Uh, the artist is Victor Bogdanovich. And um, what do you guys think? Uh, Marco, tell us what this issue is about real quick. Give us a little quick synopsis. So It's truly wild to see Wolverine go all the way to Jersey to get a story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the pit of hell all right all the way from canada <laughs> oh this is a long bike ride eh <laughs> from saskatchewan to trenton <laughs> um uh, i like this issue I-, I feel like we we had we had really positive things to say Wolverine number one, especially mm. on the writing and on the art front. And I think this, th- this issue is like just solidifies for me that Percy's a pretty good writer and Bogdanovich is a really great artist. And yeah. he, yeah. The, the, the team together, I think put out a really good work uh, and for it to like all kind of meld in with whatever's going on with X of Swords. I mean, it's good stuff. This, yeah, the, this was strong enough to make me remember Wolverine number one and then go, oh, yeah, I got to go get that trade. Mm. Like, this is strong. Yeah, he, one lesson I've had in life is is kind of just don't write to make your sound, yourself sound smarter than you are. And that's not a, that's not a slight at Ben Percy. That's just like a collective writing tip in general is like, don't write above your weight class and Ben Percy, I feel like, just writes the way he thinks and talks, and it translates, and it comes off awesome. So, uh, I actually, I have his uh, his book, uh, Thrill Me, which is, uh, it's basically essays on writing. And that's basically his whole first chapter, is, is basically, yeah, I like science fiction, I like horror, I like, so why not make it fun? Like, why not have a good time with it? Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Um, so just a quick recap this issue. Uh, Logan is, uh, he travels to Japan seeking out the Muramasa blade, which is um, like he was like the greatest uh, immortal swords crafter in the world or whatever. And uh, he's in hell at this point. So Wolverine has to travel to hell to get this sword. Um, and it really kind of feels like a, a roaming Ronin type story, which Wolverine always kind of thrives in that role. Um, what do you guys think of the art? It, it really kind of pops, and like, there's points where there's we we have a point in the story uh, toward the end that is maybe a little played out, and the since we're talking about things being played on comics which is wolverine just kind of looking like a terminator skeleton yeah but <coughs> i was gonna say you think that's played out i think that's cool as shit well hold on i said that i let me let me let me rephrase i think that could be perceived as played out but i think it worked excellently i almost made that my phone background that was cool as hell yeah <laughs> yeah i even even from like the the first page that's what got me was like the three claws coming out of the lava. Yeah. I was like, wow. Okay. Cool. Like I with this, I'm I'm in on Bogdanovich. It's funny he re- his his and we may have said this, but his style reminds me a lot of Greg Capullo. Yes. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> shout out to 
uh, Ma- uh, Matthew Wilson, who did the colors here. Like yeah. the lava stuff, uh, the trial by fire, literally for Wolverine, is just terrific. I think. I think yeah. for um, for the Capullo stuff, if you look at like the lines of where yeah. the shadows sort of fall, like that's like a really note like noted thing for for Capullo. Like there's like in the center panel, there's like like little streaks across that he inks in that are really similar. Uh, we might as well kind of tie it into X Force number thirteen because basically Wolverine number six is a part one to uh, X Force number thirteen, which is kind of a part two to uh, this specific story. Um, and so something we didn't really talk about is how uh, ultimately this is kind of like uh, famously in, in uh, The Magnificent Seven or The Seven Samurai, uh, it's like a story about how our individual champions are going to, how they get to where they are sort of. <laughs> and so uh, each story is showing how each character is going to craft or receive their sword for the tournament. Uh, and so Wolverine goes against the person presumably well, he, he meets and travels with and has to work with the person that he's assumably going to have to face in this tournament uh, while in hell. Uh, that stuff was awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, S- Solemn? I think his name is Solemn. Was yeah. Solemn, yeah. He was cool. He's a, his voice to me... I don't know if you guys remember uh, way back when we were doing uh, House and Powers... How I said uh, Sinister sounds like a uh, a McElroy character. <laughs> oh, yes. He's, yeah. Uh, Solemn sounds like sort of another version, but the more fancy kind. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, he's he, he's fancy, but will get his hands dirty. Uh, the scene where he, like, uh, convenes with the witch to send him to hell, bringing her this sister, oh, her, her sister's so head. so rad. Very... Very great. Like these both function excellently as like standalone stories. Mm-hmm. I was I was kind of worried that the X Force that X Force would like somehow get forced into this, but I'm glad yeah. that that it was just a continuation of the Wolverine stuff. It, it it felt much more contained, and I think also they the inclusion would have felt like disjointed to me hmm. especially if you know it had to be mixed in with whatever their adventures were going on at that point so i'm, I'm glad that this was and i'm glad it was the same team too from the yes. art side that was yes. awesome yeah percy is uh he's writing x-force as well isn't he right yeah um from the story perspective i, I talk about how it feels like this could function as a standalone thing how how Solomon and Wolverine break up this marriage in hell. That was funny. With the left red hand and the right red hand. Just excellent stuff. And something that it does excellently is the way we end the issue, which is uh, Wolverine is at a disadvantage because he doesn't have one of the crafted uh, Miramasa swords. Uh, Solomon has both of them, but he's willing to give one to Wolverine for a price. We don't know what that is, and clearly that's going to come up later. That's excellent foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Man, I would read, I would have read a uh, six issue arc of, of, of this traveling to hell to get this sword. Like, yeah, for real. Rad. This f- fucking ruled. <laughs> I understand why we want to keep it moving because we have to do like I think there's 13 of these or something. I don't know. I forget. There's 22, 22 chapters. Total. That's not what I meant. I meant like the com- competitors in the tournament for, for oh I think for Krakoa. 10. ten. Okay. 
called Ten of Swords. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> um, so yeah, we only have three at this point. The the info pages uh, in this set, uh, both X Force and Wolverine, worked very well. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I thought they I thought they conveyed the right the right type and and the right style of information that the 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 Hickman ones usually do. Yeah, I, I agree, uh, and it, it would provide a kind of necessary exposition for for uh, like the blades and stuff like that, and and um, who Solomon is and how he relates to the original Four Horsemen and stuff. Uh, oh, by the way, his introduction—we didn't even talk about that. That was excellent too. They're like, oh, we're gonna see him. He's gonna be miserable. He's been here for a, like a century or whatever, and he's just like, ah, oh, what's up, dudes? He he pops up like fucking. Um uh oh what's his name the guy from the room oh hi mark yeah (laughs) uh and he's not miserable at all no he's He's loving life yeah yeah he's like this is vacation Ah, that's what a what a great way to introduce the character and and because that's like the tricky part i think here is like how we how are we going to make the characters fighting the x-men in this tournament interesting because we're all new characters for the most part uh, and I think Ben Percy did an excellent job of making Wolverine's challenger very interesting. I think, yeah, I think he's a, a solid antagonist in that he is the opposite of Logan. Yes, yes, and that was exactly the, what I was going to say. Because, like, yeah. even on the introduction, you know, he could have been someone who was just as mad, who had just uh, and like a similar temper because he was locked away. He's upset, all this stuff. But I'm glad that they went that he went the route of. He's like no, I'm. He's like a refined person to whatever extent, but also he's just content. Yeah, uh, and, and and stylistically, it, uh, like their their uh, powers or whatever counteract like the fact that he's got like a chainmail skin made of adamantium. Uh, that that works well enough, you know. Right. Say no more. Uh, any final thoughts on on those two issues, X Factor and uh, Wolverine? <clears throat> I just want to throw out the first, uh, or I guess the second page, where Logan in Wolverine or X Factor, uh, Wolverine. Okay, where Logan straight up tells um, Krakoa that he doesn't trust <laughs> he doesn't trust the island. Yeah, he's like, I don't I don't know what you're playing at, but fuck you. I guess I'm going to fight. <laughs> it's a good point. I mean, yeah, it, it, it they are at this at you know at this junction they're being somewhat played by Krakoa right like it, all yeah. this is happening because sure at the behest was, of Krakoa right like I'm sure it was Apocalypse who started or whatever but I'm sure at to some extent Krakoa itself it, had a hand in it it was still Krakoa's game yeah. right uh yeah and I think I think this is probably like the uh the uncomfortableness the discomfort uh, that we saw in Logan in the early issues of X-Men and House and Powers, very similar to Apocalypse in that um, the you know the big question was what what does a warrior do when there's no one left to fight? And Wolverine, you know, his whole thing was like, I don't trust anybody. This is this is gonna go south quick, <laughs> and, and it like he was right. He has those wolvie senses. Mm-hmm. Well, in the meantime, he was enjoying life with Scott and Jean. Hey. And who's to say he's not? <laughs> Still, you know? That's right. 
What happens when that warrior lays his weapon down? Now, which warrior is that, Marco? Uh, you know what? At, for Gene, either one. <laughs> for Scott, either one. <laughs> for Wolverine, either, either one. one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's good. Um, let's talk about Marauders issue 13, okay? Uh, so the writer here was uh, Vita Ayala. Uh, artist Matteo Lolly uh, and colors by Edgar Delgado. Uh, so in this, we have basically the story of Storm receiving her sword for the uh, tournament. Uh, she has to travel to Wakanda and uh, take basically this an- uh, ancient weapon of Wakanda old uh, Skybreaker. The Skybreaker. Uh, wh- what do you guys think of this issue? It was better than I thought it was going to be hmm. for a Marauders book. For a Marauders book, <clears throat> um, I think, man, I thought the Wakandan mythology that they tied into this whole thing played very, very well. It's great, yeah. Al- alongside the the events of the issue, um, and it's a cool fucking sword. <laughs> like, yeah, they even kind of do like a close up on the mechanics of what it looks like, like in ta- mm-hmm. like inside. That was really cool. I, yeah, they did that uh, in Wolverine too with the, yeah. the Muramasa blade. Yeah. Uh, so I it's, it, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> so, so uh, for yeah, it was it was a fun story. I, I like the like the art changes and the mm. typically I feel like I've been really down on this book from an art perspective, but mm. I think this one was clean. Uh, the colors I think was probably the biggest issue for me, and I. Who was it again? It was on colors. Delgado. Delgado. Yeah, Edgar Delgado. And you know they were they were okay, but I think I was I still had like some frustrations with the colors overall, which kind of diminished art somewhat. Like something about the shine on this panel where Storm comes in uh, to like the the kingdom. I'm just like "Mm, I don't like it. And I think Um, it's like hmm. But but otherwise, I think the the story was was fun. It was definitely more engaging to see just one character of the Marauders versus having it be the whole crew, especially considering you know it's part of the the X of Swords or Ten of Swords storyline. But still, like it to have them focus just in on Storm and and the sort of trial she goes through. It's that was fun. Um. I, I think, so I, I've been kind of down on Marauders the whole time. Uh, even narratively, I've found it very um, kind of weak. This was a very good issue, I thought. Um, Storm has a lot, has a pretty developed history in, in X-Men and Marvel comics. And uh, I think this issue did a really good job of kind of leaning into that. Because, you know, even if she's not in the foreground of X-Men stuff, she's still like, an A-lister for the X-Men. She's a big player. And this issue really did a good job of making, uh, really establishing that, like, Storm is, like, royalty, and uh, she's a powerful political figure, and she knows it. Well, and I, it's one of the... Um <clears throat> one of the more interesting aspects of her character that have that's come up in the past decade or so is that she and... and T'Challa were married, right. and to to me, I'm I'm always surprised that that is one of the things one of the things that's stuck 
Yeah. Because that could be that could have been retconned so easily. Mm-hmm. In fact, people uh, thought it was super gimmicky when it happened. Yeah. But it, yeah. it worked. Um, and it still works. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, it feels like it still carries weight through this. Yeah. And you can tell by the interactions. And I like that she used that as the sort of basis for where all of these characters are coming from. It feels, it, it, I, I think, like, obviously it feels like it's it's lived in and happened, right? But I think you can still feel the emotional effects from it on each of the individual characters from queen mother shuri storm and all their interactions like the whole conversation that they have while they're eating dinner is like this like that was really good it was and and it all comes off of that like you know we i love you and i love you but i have a duty and storm has a duty and how did those how do you uh how do you manage to put those duties aside for somebody or do you not and focus on what is the right thing for your people how do you go around like it, it's just all it was really interesting sort of dialogue and, and character uh, characterization that was that was one layer but then the conversation had another layer and i really appreciate it, it had a real complexity of like geopolitics because yes she sure alluded to the fact that you know are you here to sabotage wakanda basically you know, who, who are you, uh, you know, Storm comes there and says she wants to save the world. But, you know, for someone who's more concerned about her, her nation state, she, you know, her perspective is purely for Wakanda. And she sees someone coming as a representative and diplomat for Krakoa. And, you know, taking this blade, which is an intrinsic art, uh, artifact of an entire uh, culture and, and, and country, uh, could throw things into complete upheaval. Um. So she she asked a very valid question, even though she knows Aurora personally, which is is Are you basically trying to undermine the sovereignty of our country? That was excellent drama. I think I think the thing that frustrates me about this issue in particular, and the way it uses that drama, is that the whole its whole basis was, well, you need to wait until T'Challa gets here because he's the king. Uh, and he's not going to be here for three days, so you have to wait. But then he shows up anyway. But he shows up anyway. And Storm's whole thing is like, well, he only answers me when it benefits him. Yeah. Well, that was interesting interpersonal drama because it goes to show. I I don't think we're going to get resolution in this, but it shows that uh, he could have been there at any point. And I mean, they're not married, right? So, like, but yeah, you're right. They, he could have been there at any point. But like, yeah, like they're not married, so why does why should he give a shit? I don't know. It just that that to me that particular device of oh well, you have to wait. So wait, like what's the well to Roro's point? Like they can't wait, uh, and this plays with the. Uh, I mean, comp- I mean, Logan went to hell to get his sword. Storm can wait. <laughs> well, but well, that's what I was about to say. Is we don't actually know how long any of this is taking. It makes it seem like they need to do this like very quickly. Yeah. Do you do you guys remember a, a time frame? It's three days, and that's like enough. And that was the amount of time that it was going to take for T'Challa to come back if she waited to potentially get a no. And so she's like, "Well, like, tell me the yes or the no, or." Uh, so that way like, I can know what to do and how to proceed, but I don't have the time for to wait for the yes or the no. Right. Well, but what's the what's the time frame for all the swords to be put together? Do you remember? Yeah, three days. 
Was it three days? Yeah, everybody, everybody has how to long T'Challa was going to come back? It, right. it, 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 it works well enough, but I understand your, your grievance because it is a little contrived. Yeah. Um, one other thing is, Marco, you kind of alluded to the dinner. I, uh, I got to tell you, as a framing device, there's something kind of cinematic about that. Mm-hmm. And it worked really well for that kind of exchange of dialogue. Um, this is also an example of something I, uh, the opposite of something I, I, I uh, you know, bitch about on the show, which is just words for the sake of words in many comics. It's something that bothers me in, all the time in comic books, uh, just having word balloons and thought bubbles that don't really contribute to the story. The dialogue and, and exposition in this book are all uh, well-placed, deliberate, and contribute to a full like 25-page story. i very pleased. Uh, the art, it was fine. I'm right there with you, Marco. Uh, Marauders is uh, consistently... like it was, it, was, it was a tough transition going from Wolverine and X-Force to Marauders from an art standpoint. Yeah, and, and again, I think for me it's largely... The colors, I, I think the probably lines, right. the lines were, the the lines were good, but it was just that piece of it. I don't like the the shiny look that they mm-hmm. give characters sometimes. Uh, any thoughts on the art there, Kale? No, I I I liked all the art. I thought the action flowed really well. I think I I, I liked it. I okay. had no problem with it. Um, the I want to go back to the text pages again. They, uh, in this one, they focus mostly on the, the regions of Otherworld. Yeah. And what I found interesting was I was sort of assuming based on the way that it was laid out on the original map was that like the top half of the circle was like the good bit. And then the bottom was like the dark, the dark part where all the goblins and shit are. Uh, but it doesn't read like that, like at all. Like it sound, it sounds like all of Otherworld is dark and goblins and shit, and then there's some, you know, the rest. Avalon, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but wasn't there? Because I know, like the there was like the vampire ones or whatever, like the people of the dark and the the midnight world. Uh, but I feel like it kind of depends on where you, where you're at. It, it kind of just feels like it's jumbled around. Well, but that's that's what I'm saying. Like that's also what I thought. Uh, but both both of the uh, text pieces in this one take place in the in the top half of the circle. So there's nothing like quote unquote good leaning about them. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, when it comes to the other world stuff, it all feels a little underdeveloped still for me. Uh, yeah. I, I I want to believe that we will see more development as as the story unfolds because it's obviously going to be pivotal for the narrative. I think it's okay that it's a little underdeveloped for now, but obviously you need to see where it's going to go. I would I would bet quite a bit of it was probably in Excalibur too, because hmm. uh, Betsy Braddock is captain britain right so that's a good point that's a good point i don't, I don't know that no but, but you're right because we did read like the first two issues of excalibur um so at this point we have three uh members of the ten of swords here we got wolverine we got storm and we got magic 
You know what's crazy is it sucks they have to sit on the rocks I was thinking, I was thinking the same <laughs> damn thing. <laughs> I was like, so they just got to chill there while like they wait? Like what? What do you think Wolverine break? and Magic could possibly be talking about while they're waiting for everyone else? Nothing. Hell. Oh, that's a good point. They both they both have been been in and lived in hell. Yeah, Wolverine's like, that shit was wild, bub. I'm oh, sorry. Let me see. say that again. Yep. Wait, wait, oh, yeah. that shit was hot, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had to take off my parka. <laughs> you, you ever see the inside of a lava bubble? I have. It was in my gallbladder. Felt like after eating spicy wings. <laughs> it was like doing hot ones. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on your show, eh? Well, my taste buds need to regenerate after that one. Anyway. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts on the three books we read, guys? Uh, I am very happy this worked out better than the previous issue we read, uh, X-Factor. I was very hesitant, uh, but these worked great. These were beautifully told. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, I, I think I think uh, X Factor really suffered in the same way that we said uh, was X X Men Twelve. Yes, it had it had a lot of information that it had to convey. And it struggled uh, in to a do very, it. Yeah, in a very limited amount of space, and it, it they both struggled to do it. Whereas these were great mm-hmm. yeah they were, they were all paced well i think to to your point kale like it, it it was all super cohesive and uh either within their own contained issues or like between but uh, yeah i mean uh, overall the the event and the, the narrative that's being kind of like the through line for it has been consistent and it's been up up until now was confusing to follow, but I think they they're giving it more time to breathe and and you can actually like dig into stuff. So it's been much clearer on on that front, and I, I think that's that's a positive thing, especially considering this is covering all the books. Something that's frustrating because you have to read a book that you not, are not necessarily following, or maybe you know the I, I like the X Factor stuff. I'm glad that it was just the Wolverine because some you get contrived whatever. So it, I think it's turning out to be a really strong event yeah i agree so far yeah. i'm so a far. real sucker for like these kind of side quest things leading into a larger narrative because it really lets you feel intimate with the participants of the story uh and this does a really good job with that uh i this made me like relate to storm this made me relate to wolverine like it, solemn yeah like yeah. he he was a really good engaging antagonist and i I can't wait for that fight. So these three issues don't bank on your previous uh, experience with Wolverine and Storm, or yeah. or a character you didn't even know in Solemn. The, the the this this takes the time to let you actually, you know, get to know the characters before they go into something, so that you'll feel emotionally invested. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see what happens next. I, I wonder who's next on on their sword quest. <laughs> What's the next issue? Uh, I close that list. Hold on. It's another set of three. Okay, so it is next is Hellions, number five, New Mutants, number 13, and Cable, number five. Oh, cool. Cable will be rad. Oh, Hellions will be your... Oh, no. That's iBoy. Uh, that's uh, X-Factor is what iBoy's in. Yeah. Marco knows. Well, Who's in Hellions? Uh, I, that's a good, I haven't read Hellions at all, actually. 
Uh, I haven't either. I liked the old book 10, 15 years ago. Uh, but that's a. Oh, well, who's on it then? Well, it's a different roster entirely, so I don't know. What? I'm pretty sure. 10, 15 years? That's not enough time. <laughs> to change a whole team like that? What do you mean? That's more than enough time. <laughs> you kidding me? A month is enough time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Um, so thank you so much for everyone listening and watching at home. Uh, this has been the 207th episode of the Comics Pals. Uh, next week we'll have our full crew back, I think. No, no Pete. So yeah, you guys can listen at a normal volume at home. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to lo- you'll have to raise the volume because the normal volume is way low. That's right. So, <laughs> yeah, turn your bass boost on. Um. Let's see, what else do we got coming out? Well, we uh, we have uh, Battle Chasers, the book club. Did that, that already dropped. Yep. Uh, that, so you should get that a listen. That was a lot of fun. Did we announce the next book club? We did. So what is that, buddy? Sandman. That's right. Sandman. We read... Oh, cool, a Wesley Dodds book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, Kale. And actually, what? it's the Neil Gaiman guy. <laughs> oh, I don't know this iteration of the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neil, Neil Gaiman, when did he pick up the gun? So... Uh, he he's a writer that you know was a normal english writer and then transitioned to like this more norse figure to become gaiman versus you know gaiman hmm oh like gaiman yes gaiman that's what we are all all three of us are gaiman uh so yeah we we did the first 14 issues of neil gaiman's sandman run 16 issues that uh drops at the end of the month uh, that's our kind of October iteration of the book club. So you'll have to Spooky. give, yeah, you'll have to give that a listen. Uh, before that, we had Swamp Thing that came out before Battle Chasers. So give that a listen. Uh, and as I mentioned at the top of the show, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, check out our YouTube and ring the bell so that you can see what we're posting every, each and every week. And like I said at the beginning and have alluded to multiple times throughout the episode, please join our Discord. Uh, be part of our community and with that let's do some plugs uh kale you can find pete at loud underscore pete don't forget to go watch his reaction to the invincible trailer uh because he's the only one of us five who uh gives a shit (laughs) truly uh uh and has like genuine emotion i don't know and check out his interview with robert kirkman while we're at it that's also yeah yeah yeah. uh that's one thing we talked about in the discord was uh the invincible movie Mm. that might not be happening who's to say who's to say come to the discord we have the scoop uh don't forget to go check out his uh his video game podcast the podcast uh loot pots and yes pots pots pots, cast whatever yeah go on uh and you can find me at Toto and Toe on Instagram. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. You can find my work at kaleward.com. That's C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. Um, I'm only on Discord or Instagram right now. So if you're looking for me on Twitter, don't. Okay. <laughs> or Tumblr, but I'm not going to tell you that shit. Tumblr, is that still a thing? No, oh. but that's why I'm enjoying it. Yeah, <laughs> that tracks. Uh, Marco. You can find me at Mr. Marco Adamoto on Instagram and Twitter. Come talk to me about Food Wars. Been having a lot of fun with that. I, yeah, I made it to the second season already. And it's mm. only been like a few days. It's been wow. it's been good. How many episodes is that? The first season has 20, 20 episodes about. So I think I, I did it over the course of like three days. Not bad. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've been consuming this stuff like 
because uh, because I like while I'm working, I like prop it up and she'd be like, ah. "That's what it is." <laughs> <laughs> and also, go talk to me about the Legend of the Swamp Thing Halloween Spectacular that came out this week. Was that a good? Uh, I haven't read it. I'm actually gonna read it after this. Oops. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mark. I had to take a call there. Yeah, make sure you turn your phone off when you film a fucking episode. <laughs> he just gets pie. up too. Jackass. I'm lifting the curtain there. Uh, you can find 200 of these goddamn <laughs> episodes, and he's got to take a fucking phone call. It's probably working. Like he doesn't know we're doing. I don't give a shit. He's working right now. That's right. He's always hustling, baby. Uh, <laughs> you can always uh, working them jeans. <laughs> Uh, you can uh, follow the normal weekly host of our show, Sean Bartley at Sean Soapbox. Uh, get at him about the idea of Gene Gray as a pirate. That's always something he's down to talk about. He he is so excited about the Scott Gene Logan <laughs> love triangle, and not like in the traditional sense. He's just super into that polyamory shit. That's right. That's right. Tell him, tell him, tweet him all the uh, the DeviantArt links. Yeah, and uh, tweet at him your suggestions for Flush Down the Jam going forward. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> uh, as for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Cyborg Bebop. Uh, this has been a big week in hockey world news, which uh, I'm a big fan of. The uh, NHL draft was on Tuesday, and free agency was yesterday. So if you guys want to talk about hockey with me, which obviously people listening to a comic book podcast, there's a lot of overlap with professional sports. Uh, it might be, man. Quick sidebar story. Uh, I remember I was at the Happy Panel for Grant Morrison's uh, Sci-Fi Channel show two years ago, and they had a bunch of people ramp, like, vamping up the crowd beforehand. And like one of the things they were doing, they were looking for prompts for this game they were playing, and I yelled, professional sports! And everyone <laughs> booed the shit out of me. So <laughs> I have, I have a, a sidebar to that story. So... Uh, my wife, Jess, when she was working at Titan, uh, got to go to the London Suicide Squad premiere. Oh. And Will Smith was there trying to hype up the audience. Oh, wow. And they were not playing ball. Wow. He came, out, he came out and said, when I say suicide, you say squad. And they, nothing. Wow. <laughs> they no assault him. The, the one guy in the back, squad. Yeah. <laughs> Well, <laughs> sidebar to that conversation. Oh my god! We should Go wrap on. up the show. Yes, good. Oh. Uh, and with that, right. thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Comic Files. Take care, everyone. Yeah, next week. Bye.